Amen. I got it. Thank you. If you have your Bibles this morning and you would find uh, Psalm, first Psalm, the eight, first Samuel, the 18th chapter, as we are going verse by verse through the book of First Samuel. And I have a couple cards this morning that I would like to read to you. And the first one is from Jean and Joanne Endicott, for you who worked on the wheelchair ramp on Friday. We are so blessed with our new ramp. Now our loved one can use the ramp to get in and hopefully go back to church, etc. Your men are so kind and gracious to help others in need. Thank you for all the ways you make this world a brighter one. And that is from Jean and Joanne Endicott. So thank you for those who built that wheelchair ramp. I have two cards here from uh, the Higginson family. I would like to thank you for all of your thoughts and prayers as I go through this journey. I feel very blessed for all of your friendships. So thankful that the Lord made you. So thankful for your kindness too. And that is from Donna and then from the family. We, the family of Doris, would like to thank you all for the meal that you prepared for our family and friends. And so as I always say, I read these cards for a reason, for a purpose, to remind you that sitting yourself on these seats is very important, but the church does so much, and we want you to be a part of that. And as we are going verse by verse through this book, I want you to know that if you have ever listened to my sermons, you've probably left saying, that was extremely uncomfortable for everyone. But I want you to know that today we are starting a series that blows all of those away in uncomfortableness. And uh, if you are taking notes, and I hope that you will, this is how serious I am about you taking notes. I've even tried to put them on the screen behind me since I don't always give you enough time to write. And the title of this new sermon series is Overcoming Personal Attacks. And today I know what is happening. You are all magically having halos that pop up. And you're saying, Jake, I've been personally attacked at home. I've been personally attacked in my marriage. I've been personally attacked at work. But I have never attacked anyone else. And today I want you to know that we're not talking so much physically. Because if you are being physically abused today, I hope that you will find help. And then you'll reach out to someone. But it is one thing to watch our nation under attack from liberals and from people that hate God. And it's one thing to watch our state collapse under those who hate God, but it's a whole other thing when someone's going around talking about you and your family. And it's like one old gospel singer, you can talk about anybody in this old world as bad as you want, but don't talk about my mama, right? That's the mindset. And today, you and I have all been in that situation. And it sometimes looks like this. At work, you were the best employee and you got passed over because your boss and that coworker are married into the same family, right? You and your uh, kids uh, didn't get as much playing time as the other kid because their parent was the coach. Uh, you didn't get the promotion. Uh, you didn't get the recognition at church, but yet you've served longer than that family. And in those moments, that's where it gets real. When we feel that we or our children are the people that we love, are under attack. And today I want you to hear this. Personal attacks come to all of us. You say, not me, Jake. I don't go anywhere. I don't talk to anybody. I'm a hermit. Friends, it happens. 
And the question is, how are you going to respond when it's your family that they're talking about? How is it going to be the response from you when it's your kid that's not played favorites? It's like the old saying goes, it's not what you know, it is. And all of us have been there. All of us have seen the damage of that. And even all of us have probably reaped the reward of that from time to time. But the question is, how are you going to handle what comes next? You say, I don't care how I handle it. I'm going to get mine and my family's going to get ours. And the rest of you don't matter. Well, Friends, you don't realize the damage that does to someone else. You say, well, preacher, you don't understand how wronged I've been or how taken advantage of I have been treated. And, and so there's no way that I can forgive. There's no way that I can overcome that. Maybe you're here today saying that about church. I've been faithful in this church. I've tried to do what's right. And, and I, I didn't get this or this happened. Or every time I've tried to serve, I feel like I've been attacked or whatever it may be. And what's happening right now is one of two things. You're saying, oh, not me. I would never do that. Or probably your mind is going to a very painful experience that has happened to you. And friends, the first option is very dangerous. Because the Bible says that he who says he is without sin, the truth of God is not in you. And two, if you cannot move past and heal from the hurts that have happened, you will never be able to serve God. And so Overcoming Personal Attacks is a brand new series that we're starting. And the title of the first one of those series is God Prepares His Soldiers. God prepares his soldiers. You said, preacher, you knew I was going to be here today, and so you picked this sermon out for me. I want you to look at your Bible, and I want you to flip through it just like this. I did not write this book. I did not even pick the book that we were going to go through. And there is no way possible that I knew exactly today you would be here on 1 Samuel chapter 18, nine months ago when we started this book. God knew you would. And so today, before you hate the preacher, before you want to throw tomatoes at me on the way out, I beg that you would listen to how God wants to speak to you and me. Because today when you leave, if you're like me, this is probably one of those sermons that hits way too close to home. And so if you would stand with me as we're going to read the first nine verses of what's going on in King David's life. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in all the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the woman, the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, don't miss this, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten 
thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have described only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Pray with me. Father, today I come asking forgiveness, Father, for the sin that creeps into my heart. Lord, for the sin that I openly embrace. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. And Lord, that I would not be a hindrance to what you are doing in this place today. Father, I pray that your spirit would begin to work now, Lord, in such a mighty and powerful way, Lord, that you would tear down every stronghold that we have built around our hearts and our lives and our minds. Lord, I pray that you would convict the lost. Lord, that you would convict the backslidden. Lord, that you would humble the proud. Lord, that you would restore the broken. God, whatever needs to happen in this place today, God, I pray that you would do it. And that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're familiar with what's been going on, David has killed Goliath. The nation of Israel is celebrating. They have, they have literally been kicking the Philistines' butt and taking names, right? They are on a war path. Everything is going exactly like it should be. And today I want you to notice this, that most of the personal attacks that you will face will be at moments that you think your life is going the best. And so the first thing I want to show you is this. This morning, you need to be preparing and letting God prepare you for the battles that are coming. And so the first thing I want to show you this morning is this. God will bring people into your life that will be with you in the upcoming battle. God will bring people into your life that will be with you in the upcoming battle. You see, this is something you need to hear this morning. Most people who come into your life, whether at church, whether at work, will not be faithful. And that is because we are all sinners. We will all tell a secret that we shouldn't tell. We'll all not be there for a friend that we should be. It happens. All of us are sinners. But what God wants you to do is to be looking for the ones, not that are perfect, but that who will be with you. And what we see here is David had that with Jonathan. God brought Jonathan into David's life because there is going to come a time, multiple times in the chapters ahead of us, where Jonathan is used by God to intercede on David's behalf. But David also, after Jonathan is dead and Jonathan's son who is crippled, David extends kindness to him. And so many of you think that the relationships that you have built, the friendships that you have here at church, the, the Christian fellowship that you have is by accident, but it is not. God is putting people in your life that when people attack you, when people slander you, when people uh, mistreat the people that you love, that there are people to go with you through the storms of life. Look what it says here in verses 1 through 4. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. 
And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. I want to show you two different people. Saul and Jonathan both had gained the same thing from David. Saul was the king of Israel and David had saved his kingdom. Jonathan was the heir apparent and David had saved his kingdom. David had saved King Saul from having to go into battle against Goliath and covered up the fact that Saul was terrified. God had used David to cover up the fact that Jonathan should have went out and fought Goliath. But yet God used David to cover his fear and shame. And so at this point, Saul and Jonathan both have a choice to make. They can both love David, support David, be loyal to David, but yet we see two extremely different choices. And this morning, you have a choice. Today, you can be faithful to those people that God has brought into your life. You can be faithful to that marriage that maybe is not going as well as it could have. You can be faithful to that friend at work that just constantly seems to have their life in a mess. You can be faithful to your church even if they're not perfect. But I want to show you this because many times in today's world, and this is very heartbreaking, there are many liberal Bible scholars that will use this passage of Scripture and say, see, Jonathan and David, they loved each other inappropriately. And it does not say that anywhere in this text. Not one time does it make that assumption. And there's two reasons why. You say, well, why would he take off his robe? And this is why. The robe was a symbol of the fact that Jonathan was the heir apparent. Everyone would know that is Prince Jonathan. That is the prince's robe. And what Jonathan was saying is, I know the world says I'm supposed to be the next king, but God has anointed you. And what he was saying was, David, you are the next king, and I am loyal to you. You say, why would he take off his weapons and give those to him? It was a sign of service. That even though you should be serving me from the world standpoint, I am going to serve you when you're a king. And I want you to think about our relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ tells us that we cannot be the king of our own life after we're saved. We're his. We belong to him. Jesus is Lord and Savior. And today, if you're honest, and I have to be honest, all of us like the fact that we're going to heaven but we don't always like the fact that God gets to tell us what to do. We don't like the fact the Bible tells us that we shall not or that we should, but yet Jesus says that he is the Lord and Savior of my life when I get saved. But also after I'm saved, my life is to be used to do what? Serve him. And so as a Christian today, I want to ask you that question. Do you Look around in your life and say, you know what? I never thought I could be friends with this person. I never thought that God could use this person to bless me. I know there's a lot of people who don't think church matters anymore. And that there's no value in church. But what we see in this text is why church is important. Friends, there is coming a day when people will be after you. There will come a day, no matter how well you live or how godly you try to be, that someone will be upset that your car is nicer than theirs, that your house is bigger than theirs, that you're a better singer than them, that you've got more hair than them, that you, whatever it is, that their kid's a better athlete than yours, and they will personally 
attack you. They'll see you fall or stumble in a small way and will use it to their advantage. And in those moments, that is when the people that God has been bringing into your life those people that you sit next to in Sunday school, those people that you build a wheelchair ramp with, those people that you serve at a funeral meal with, those people that you go help a family member move from church into their new home. In those moments, those people that you have learned to love and to trust and to care for will be there and should be there in your time of need. That's what we see here. Listen to how Ecclesiastes chapter 4 describes it. Two are better than one. That's not just my mindset on cheeseburgers, right? Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He is saying that there's going to come a day when you're going to fall, when you're going to stumble, whether by your own fault or by someone else trying to drag you down. And in those days, you need people around you that love God and love you. Now, I want to be clear here. There's only one friend that always sticks closer than a brother. There's only one friend who will never disappoint you. There's only one friend who will never leave you and forsake you. And his name is Jesus. And so today, if you're putting all your hope in the fact that the preacher can get you to heaven, or, or you're putting all your hope in the fact that, that some uh, television preacher can fix all your problems, friends, it can't happen. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one, but Jesus wants to use the people in your life and to use you to be there for other people before they go into the battle, before they get into those difficult situations. And so the second thing I want to show you is not only does God want to bring people into your life that will be with you in the upcoming battle, God wants you to be faithful and do your Best. Look what it says here in verses 5 through 7. God wants you to be faithful and do your best. Now, so many times before we read this text, I think we have this problem. Well, if, if, if we go build that wheelchair ramp, what will the other churches in town think? Right? Or if we go out and do all these mission projects, that'll upset other people. Or if my kid works hard and is better at something than someone else, then, then there'll be all kinds of people jealous. Or if I sing a special that you sang in 1972, and I sing it better than you, you might be angry at me. Right? Or if my Sunday school class is bigger than yours, you know, I'm going to be really upset, and so maybe I shouldn't teach as well. But God expects you to be faithful and to do your Best. Look what it says here in verses 5 through 7. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his 
ten thousands. David was not out going from town to town saying, Hey, I really think I should be king. I really think that Saul is an overpaid coward and you should support me. No, it says that he behaved wisely. When, when King Saul said, Go fight, David said, How long? When King, said, when King Saul said, Jump, David said, How high? And so this morning I want you to hear this. When God has given you a gift, when God has given you a talent, when God opens a door for you, don't let the fear of what other people are going to say, what other people are going to think, how other people are going to try to tear you down, keep you from doing what God has called you to do. I want you to think about it like this. Doing things half-hearted to keep others happy will not bring God glory or you victory. Now, I don't know if my wife is in here or not. Is she in here? Okay, I'm going to tell this story anyway. I've told her lots of times, but it's better when she's not in here. On our second date, my wife and I played a game of one-on-one. And I beat her like 99 to 1. Now, I don't know why I would do that. You would think I would realize she's way out of my league, and I need to sandbag so that she'll like me. But I am dumb enough that it don't matter, right? I don't care if I'm playing my grandma on a game of one-on-one basketball. She is going to get beat, and as bad as I can beat her, right? And that's not the right attitude I know to have, but it's just, I'm just weird like that. And so many times as a Christian, and don't miss us, or as churches, we will not do what God has asked us to do because we're afraid of what it might look like. But friends, today God wants you to be faithful no matter what he's asked you to do. If he's asked you to serve him, serve him with your whole heart. If God has asked you to teach, teach him with your whole heart. If God has asked you to build a wheelchair ramp, build the best wheelchair ramp you could possibly build. If God has asked you to be the front door greeter, be the friendliest, nicest greeter you can be. You say, well, so-and-so greeted last month, and they're not very friendly, and everybody likes me anyway more than them, so maybe I'll just be a little grouchy today. I've heard people say that in church. Well, I'd love to teach Sunday school, but I'm afraid those two people over there not happy with their Sunday school teacher would come join my class. Look up here. In 10 years, I have never went to someone and said, you know what? I think 10 miles is a better church than yours. Why don't you come out here? What I always tell people is the music's great. The preaching is very subpar. I've told everybody that. But when someone comes to me and says, Jake, our family is drowning spiritually. We're not being fed. We don't know what we should do. We don't know where we should go. I always say, well, you're welcome to try. See, there's a difference, friend. And when God opens a door for you, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether God blesses you financially, then you need to do what God has asked you to do and not feel guilty by the results. Listen to what the book of 2 Timothy says in chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Proverbs 13, verse 4, says it like this. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Jesus was faithful no matter what it took. Jesus was faithful to go to the cross. Jesus was faithful to love the sick and the hurting and the broken. Jesus did exactly what God told Him to. And because of that, you and I today can be saved. 
Today I can repent of my sins and know that I'm on my way to heaven because Jesus was faithful to the end. Because God the Father was faithful to raise him from the dead. But yet when personal attacks come, God will bring people into your life for the battle to come. God wants you to be faithful and do your best. And third and finally today, as I quickly try to wrap this up, you cannot control how people respond when God elevates you. You cannot control how other people respond when God elevates you. Look what it says here in verses 8 and 9. Then Saul was very angry. David hadn't done anything wrong. David wasn't singing songs about his greatness. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. People will hate you and talk about you no matter what you do. But it's best to let it be about God working in you, your life, and your family. Did you hear that? David didn't come strolling into town. And don't worry, I'm going to give you some awesome dancing skills here, right? David didn't come into town marching, I'm the best in the world. I killed Goliath like your grandkids do, right? I'm smarter than you. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't win the battle and do his victory celebration. I am the best. None of that. He was faithful. I know I think I just pulled something, but anyway. You cannot control how other people respond when God elevates you. And this is where the sermon gets really awkward. And you'll have to get happy in the same pants you get mad in, all right? Fifth and sixth grade, my dad was my basketball coach at Algren. I'd just like to say, by the way, two-time Hamilton County champions, just throwing that out there. <clears throat> and uh, I cannot tell you how many times as a fifth and sixth grader, guess what they would say? Well, the only reason you get to play is because your dad's the coach. And what I wanted to say is, no, I'm just really awesome, but I can't say that, right? I had a pride problem back then, all right? But how many times has that been said about you because God has blessed you financially? Well, I would be successful too if I was spoon-fed like they were. And friends, before you get holier than thou, all of us have been on both sides of that equation. But friends, jealousy will destroy everything it touches. You say, well, I'm going to be a lazy bum at work because my boss has passed me over 17 times for that promotion. Well, I'm not going to forgive my wife. Do you know what kind of a wicked old woman she is that I live with? I told you it's going to get awkward, and it's not done yet, just so you know. How many times have you made a decision not based on what was right, but what was most profitable for you? How many times have you played the favorite? How many times have you chosen to do the things to tear someone else down? How many times has God blessed someone and you said, Oh, 
yeah, I see how it is. Because friends, I want you to know that all of us are guilty. And that's why I've had to ask the Lord a lot here lately. God, I just want you to give me the strength as a pastor to lead this church to do whatever you said. Because I hear it all the time. Well, 10 Mile wouldn't be very big if you weren't stealing people from everybody's church. I said, some of them I'd send back to you if you take them. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. All the new people went, is he talking about me? No, I'm kidding. That is a joke. No, I'm just, no. Or how many times have you been sitting around the table and you'd be like, oh, well, you know how it goes. The richer get richer. I've said it. I think I even said it yesterday. How many times have you done that? How many times have I done that? But friends, I want you to know something. When God blesses you and God is using you, you cannot worry what other people say about you. David doesn't say anything about his response, does it? It says all about Saul's. And friends, maybe you're saying, Jake, I've been a member of this church since 1962. And no one's ever said anything nice to me. You say, Jake, I've been working faithfully at my job since the early 2000s. Which that doesn't sound like a long time for some of you. But some of these people in here weren't even born until 2010. So it's longer than you think. And I've never got any recognition. Right, I've worked hard all these years, but I don't have the big retirement account. Look up here. When God elevates you, be grateful. I haven't been a walk watching the Olympics because I have a life. But no, I'm just kidding for you that are watching the Olympics. But someone had told me you need to watch this short video of this young lady who I can't remember if she won gold or bronze or whatever it was. And the reporter asked her and said, you ran so fast, you did so good. What's your secret? She said, well, I trained really hard and I give God all the glory. And he's like, oh yeah, but you did this and you did that. And he said, and she goes, I give God all the glory. And after the third time she answered that, I thought, that reporter's got the same problem I got. He's not very smart. He keeps asking the same question, getting the same results, and can't figure out to ask something different. But she kept saying, God gets all the glory. And friends, if God has given you nothing financially, but you're saved, God gets all the glory. If you're here today and you got more money than you could ever spend and you're saved, you give God all the glory. If your kids are healthy and your family's well, you give God all the glory. Because this is what I want you to know today. God is working in your life for a reason. And as a church, I know that that's hard sometimes because... Like I said, I hear it on a regular basis. Well, if we had cool music like you do, we'd have all kinds of people. Or the only reason your church is growing is because you don't preach the Bible. And I've heard it all. But friends, you've got to commit before the personal attacks come, before the stones are thrown, before Satan tries to tear you down, before Satan tries to get you to stumble, that I am committed that there are people in my life that God has put here for a reason. That I'm going to do exactly what God's asked me to do and do it to the best of the ability he's given me. And as God uses me, I am not going to worry what other people say. I want you to know that I've said this many times and I will say it until the Lord calls me home or you get smart and hire someone that knows what he's doing. I was a heathen. I was a heathen. Made a mess of everything. And, and Jeremy can tell you, many others went to high school with me. 
And I cannot begin to tell you how many times someone say, well, I wouldn't come listen to someone like you. And I'd say, I wouldn't come listen to someone like me either. I'd listen to David Jeremiah if it was my pick, but, you know, that's the way it goes. But what I can tell them is, and hopefully this is your testimony as well, that is exactly who I was. But it's not who I am anymore. And friends, if that's your testimony today, there will be people who will come up and be like, oh, I know he's holier than thou now, but let me tell you about when I used to work with him. Let me tell you about when I went to school with him. Oh, you know how, oh, she's all Miss Goody Two-Shoes now. I'm not calling myself a girl, by the way, okay? I'm making a multi-gender uh, rec- you know, reference here. So, But all I can remember when she was in high school, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm, she was a gossip queen. Oh, she was a drama queen. Oh, she bullied everybody. Look up here. That might have been who you was or were, but it's not who you And guess who gets all the glory for that? God. You have to decide today, God, if you're going to use me, people are going to throw stones. God, if you're going to work in my life, people are going to try to tear me down. And I am not going to let the decisions of other people stop me from being who God wants me to be. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to close, Paul, Peter writes these words. Likewise, you younger people, Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Today, however God is working in your life, be thankful. However God is working in your life, expect other people to hate it. And it will come in the church. It will come in your own family. It will come in the world. But you've got to make your decision before it ever comes. And say, Lord, I am moving forward. No matter what they say. No matter what they do. Because Jesus is worth it. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so very, very much today for your word. And Lord, I pray that I have just presented what was here today. Lord, I pray right now that there are people that are under conviction. Lord, I pray there are people in this room today, Lord, that don't know you. That today they are saying, Lord, I know I'm ready to repent of my sins and call upon your name. Lord, I pray today that you'd give those people in this place that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, the desire and the will to step out and come and say, I'm ready to surrender it all to Jesus. Father, I pray for that Christian in this place today that's been hurt by favoritism, by by personal vendettas, Lord, by, by slander, whatever it is, Lord, that today they would be able to come, lay it down and say, Lord... I've been wronged, but I want you to heal me. Lord, I've been wronged, but I want you to put me back together. Lord, I've been wronged, but Lord, I want you to restore the joy of my salvation. Father, to that person that's here in this place today, that it's all about them. It's all about their family. 
It's all about what they want and what they can gain. And Lord, that jealousy has crept into their house. Their neighbor's house is nicer. Their neighbor's cars are nicer. Their, their, their family's not as wealthy as, as the people across town. Lord, that today that jealousy would be gone. Lord, that you would humble them and show them that, God, what you've given them is enough. And that you're, they're okay with it. Father, maybe it's something totally different today, Lord. Maybe it's someone in their family that they're heartbroken over. Or maybe it's a prodigal. Or maybe it's decisions that they've got upcoming. Or I know in a day like today, it's so easy for people to put the masks on that there's nothing wrong. Lord, to hunker down and say, I'm not going to admit my problems and my faults. But God, today I pray that you bust that wide open, starting with me, God, and that everything would change. That you would do a great and mighty work. Lord, I thank you for Cooper and Hanley. Lord, for, for giving their hearts and life to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would use their lives to continue to reach others, even in this place today. And God, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.